let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, Mayor Bowser's office has an ambitious plan to revitalize DC's downtown, and a big part of it is getting remote workers back into physical offices. There's even a bill at the federal level that would give agencies 30 days to get people back to work in person. But the bill's controversial, as are some other parts of Bowser's so-called comeback plan. We're here with John Falcicchio to break it all down. It's Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. So John Falchikio, thank you so much for being here. So your title is Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, and that means that the city's new economic comeback plan is pretty much on your docket. The plan is very ambitious. We're excited to get into all the nitty gritty. But before we get into the details, why does D.C. need a comeback plan? Like, where are we right now? What is the state of things? Yeah, well, I think, you know, every American city is kind of looking at what their comeback is post-pandemic. You know, we had two years where the city's economy uh, needed to be really completely shut down uh, and then gradually reopened. Um, And so for us, we lost uh, jobs. We lost about 80,000 jobs uh, in a city of 800,000 jobs. Uh, We've seen actually some of our population slide, uh, although recently uh, it started to rebound. Uh, So what we want to do is we want to take an opportunity to think about what do we want D.C. to be like over the next five years? Uh, So Mayor Bowser has tasked us with putting together a comeback plan. Uh, It's really our comprehensive economic development strategy. We rolled it out uh, earlier this month uh, to make sure that folks knew what we were aiming for uh, and what the focus areas and then the goals for our comeback would be. You know, what I think is really the most interesting and sort of in terms of the history of D.C., the biggest kind of long term change is that the mayor and you have articulated uh, this idea that we want to turn downtown D.C. into a residential neighborhood. The goal is pretty ambitious. You say you want 15,000 people within the next five years to move downtown and eventually to have downtown, which currently has 25,000 people uh, one way or the other, to have 100,000 people. This seems like incredibly ambitious. Down by the stadium, there's like 10 or 15,000 people who live there. They've had about 15 or 20 years and they had there was nothing there. There was warehouses they could build from scratch. Downtown is already full of buildings. How are you going to get the 15,000 people in the next five years, let alone eventually get 100,000 people down there? Yeah. So what we want to do is we want to look at the uh, sort of easy opportunities, right? Those are the office spaces that probably haven't been updated in a while, uh, that if you went to it, it wouldn't have a lot of amenities, probably wouldn't have somebody uh, at the front desk. It wouldn't have a gym. It wouldn't have a cafe. Uh, So what we're looking at is how do we look at some of those buildings Uh, and put them into kind of a better use, right? So working with those property owners uh, to understand what would it take to actually go from office to residential. 
But is this accompanied by anything big on like, we're going to wholesale change zoning rules and tax incentives and so on? Because, you know, as I understand it, one reason people don't want to build stuff in the city is you've got to build a bunch of parking. You've just got to deal with a bunch of stuff that winds up making it more expensive. Is there any prospect of a wholesale zoning change happening in terms of making it easier to build stuff? Well, the zoning change wouldn't necessarily be the biggest impediment. What would be the impediment is, like you said, how do you get through the permitting process? Uh, so what we've done, and this is something Mayor Bowser did years ago, was actually put in place a program where there could be expedited permitting review, uh, where people can go, uh, imagine this, uh, for an example, go around the conference table and meet with all the reviewers of uh, your permit to actually get your permit through. So we've got that program on the books as well. Using a program like that, we could actually make housing happen faster. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit. I know at a recent event downtown, Mayor Bowser said that she really wants to focus her migration efforts on folks ages 20 to 34, who she says left en masse the city during the pandemic. My question is, why does she want to focus on that group particularly? And what is the plan to get those folks back to the city? Yeah, so one of the great things about Washington, D.C. is we are one of the most highly educated cities and regions in the country. That means that we have a talent pool that could help companies as they think about growing. So you think about Amazon, when it looked around the country, uh, it landed in this region because the talent pool uh, is here. And so the reason why it's important to focus on those 20 to 34 year olds, which have uh, been leaving in recent years, is because we wanna show them that there's opportunity here in Washington, D.C. Uh, and that they're actually one of the things that attracts more companies uh, to uh, the city. So uh, what we're gonna do is targeted marketing uh, to uh, those young people and figure out how do we actually make it, if you could work from anywhere in the world, why wouldn't you wanna work from Washington, D.C.? So not just those who have to go back to the office, uh, but we actually have uh, funding uh, this year to do more marketing to those who can work remotely uh, and have them choose Washington, D.C. as the place they do it from. Well, when I think of if I could work from anywhere in the world, why would I not want to work from Washington? Um, and you know I love Washington. But the main reason for why I would not want to work from Washington is it is so ludicrously expensive here. And, you know, if we're talking about these college-educated young professionals, we're not talking about people who are candidates for uh, for public assistance. If they are telling us that their biggest impediment, the biggest downside of Washington for them is the cost of living here, um, where do you guys fix that? Yeah, and that's why we're definitely pro-growth. We want to see more uh, housing built. Uh, in 2019, uh, the mayor put us uh, on an ambitious goal of uh, building 36,000 new homes uh, by 2025. That would mean that we have 10% more housing uh, in Washington, D.C. And we had a study uh, that was done by Howard University uh, that said if we uh, are able to achieve that goal, that rent would actually be lower than it would be if we just let market forces uh, keep uh, continuing as they were without a real focus on uh, the production of more housing. We also have uh, goals uh, for affordable housing uh, that we need to make sure that uh, people know about. We're doing this across the city. Uh, we actually are the only jurisdiction in the country, the first jurisdiction in the country, to have affordable housing goals uh, by neighborhood. Uh, and we track those goals and we show the uh, city and, and beyond uh, where we are. So if you go to 36k.tc.gov, uh, you can see exactly where we are on, on tracking those goals. Now, the reason that matters and one of the things about remote workers is some of them may actually, especially earlier on in their career, may actually qualify for some of the affordable housing that we have. Uh, this affordable housing is income restricted, uh, many times up to 80% uh, of area median income. So think uh, for a one-person household, that's going to be about $80,000. Uh, 
uh, they actually qualify for some of our affordable housing. So we want to make sure that they know that that uh, housing is available to them. Uh, and so that's some of the marketing that we'll do when we talk about how we uh, attract remote workers uh, to Washington, D.C. You know, I feel like we're in the middle of this like real time experiment or something. When I when I talk to these the, the people you're talking about, younger people, and particularly when I'm talking about people on the, the sort of older end of that 20 to 34 spectrum, the people thinking, where am I going to make my life? I want to maybe get married. I want to have children. I want to. Um, most of those people say they want houses <laughs> and almost everything we are talking about here is apartments. Is there any plan to bring more houses online or do people think that we'll actually convince a generation that they want to raise their kids in apartments? Uh, no, I mean, I think when you look at some of our projects uh, like Skyland, uh, which is in Ward 7, uh, we actually uh, had um, plans uh, to work with the property owner to deliver uh, multifamily housing, the apartments that you're talking about. Uh, we've actually made a pivot. Uh, we're going to deliver about 150 uh, townhomes. Also look at our St. Elizabeth's campus in Ward 8. Uh, where we have a great opportunity. Uh, we're building 88 townhomes on former federal land, uh, which we're putting back to productive use. Uh, we're building 88 townhomes there, in addition to a lot of multifamily, but 88 townhomes there, that's really a walk away from the Congress Heights Metro. Uh, so there are opportunities for townhomes and for folks to find uh, single family homes as well. What we wanna do, and one of the work that we're doing as well uh, in our black homeownership strike force is how do we actually market better the uh, housing opportunities that we have uh, to uh, people who are interested in becoming a homeowner. Uh, so part of this is actually just connecting people uh, to the opportunities that we have. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. I gotta say, this isn't... um been your fault or anything, but it's just a sign of it. Like the District of Columbia is a small place, and you're talking about 50 houses here, 88 houses there. Um, there just ain't that much land. You know, if I wanted to build a neighborhood that, you know, was a, a nice, dense neighborhood like Mount Pleasant or, or something, row houses, um, there's not a whole lot of space for me to just go on and do that. Well, and that's why it's so important that we have that conversation with the federal government about taking underutilized land and putting it to a productive use. Uh, so there are opportunities. I talked about uh, St. Elizabeth's. Uh, if you look at the wharf, and I know this isn't townhomes, but if you look at the wharf, uh, we had to work with the federal government to assemble that land. Uh, when you look at Walter Reed, uh, that's uh, going up on Georgia Avenue. Uh, we have about 60 acres of former federal land that we're putting back to productive use and building a lot of housing, including townhomes there as well. Uh, so homeownership opportunities with the small patch of grass. So these uh, opportunities present themselves when we work with our federal partners to find out we are land restricted, uh, but that's where the big opportunities lie. 
So speaking of like being land restricted and not having enough land, when it comes to adding more housing, I know that another idea is tinkering with the Federal Height Act, which requires federal approval. There have also been ideas floating around about, you know, converting downtown office buildings into housing and things like that. Are you all pursuing any of those ideas? And if so, how are you pursuing them? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Federal Height Act, uh, and now it's time for a little bit of a history lesson, if you can indulge me for a moment. Federal Height Act was actually put in place in 1899, uh, and it was modernized uh, in 1910. It hasn't been modernized again. Maybe it's time for the postmodern Height Act. Uh, so what Mayor Bowser has presented is uh, the uh, suggestion that we should have a conversation, have a dialogue about how do we tinker with the Height Act. So in downtown, uh, buildings primarily could be about 130 feet. Uh, there's one strip of uh, the District of Columbia where they could actually be 160 feet. Uh, and if you think of uh, 1st Street to 15th Street on Pennsylvania Avenue, just the northern side of the street can be 160 feet. How many stories is 160 feet? Uh, so it, when you think about it, if you went into one of those buildings, you're probably going to go about 14 stories. 15 stories, right? Uh, when you go, and sometimes, you know, there would be a penthouse, so it just depends on kind of what the design is. But when you think about it, you know, we have, and you walk downtown, you probably wouldn't know Pennsylvania Avenue is 160 feet, but if you went up the street behind it, that it's 130 feet, right? So when we talk about tinkering with it, we could do small things within the LaFont plan, right, which is uh, the downtown uh, and a little bit more. Uh, it's kind of central Washington. We could do a little bit of tinkering with it, and you really wouldn't know the difference, right? And then maybe outside of the LaFont plan, we could be a little bit more bold. So what we need to do is figure out how do we do this in a way that really helps us uh, with our housing goal uh, and create that height for housing. So we just think that it's time for a conversation to be underway. Uh, and really, like you said earlier, 1910 is really not a, a opportunity to, uh, or a, a place we should look at for when we do the latest modernization. But what's the argument against just blowing it up? I mean, making it 500 feet. Uh, is there some special reason why it shouldn't be that way? Well, I think there's a, some historic value to the view shed that we have in the District of Columbia. Uh, the uh, Capitol uh, rises about 329 feet. Uh, the Washington Monument rises about 555 feet. So as we say in sort of the LaFont plan, the original uh, city, we should probably think about how we just sort of tinker with it. Uh, but you know, do we go beyond tinkering with it uh, outside of the LaFont plan? That probably provides that bigger opportunity, but that's a conversation that we should have with our residents uh, and then go up to Capitol Hill Unified uh, and ask the federal government, petition the federal government to actually do this because of the, uh, the interest that we have uh, in creating more housing. So let's move on to the next goal. Uh, another main goal of this plan is to raise the number of minority-owned businesses so that they make up a third of the city's companies. I imagine that part of this is to bring back that sense that D.C. is like a chocolate city, even though maybe it's more like a latte city these days. But this idea that like it's a place where black folks can go to start businesses and have a little prosperity. Um, I'd love to talk more about that plan. I know that right now only 7.7 percent of those businesses have been businesses owned by marginalized folks in the past few decades, according to a recent report from LendingTree. I think that really says a lot about the state of the country, that D.C. is actually the second best in the nation with those stats. But how is D.C. planning on tripling that in the next five years? Like, that seems like a very ambitious goal, particularly when compared to the rest of the country. 
Yeah, our data is a little bit uh, different. I don't know if they were using a regional model, but um, what we found is that we can uh, really focus on how we support Black-owned businesses. It's uh, one program that we have is our commercial property acquisition fund. And what that actually does is allows DC businesses and DC residents uh, who are have an operating business uh, and they may be renting space to actually buy a building uh, so that they can, uh, instead of making uh, lease payments, uh, they can make mortgage payments, and that's a way for them to build wealth and to be, be able to reinvest in their company. There's an opportunity to think about what are the different tools that we can use to actually make sure that uh, more people of color actually have the opportunity to uh, start their own business. What we saw during the pandemic was that people thought about, do I want to work for someone else or do I want to work uh, for myself? And when they did, uh, we know that because of uh, historic injustices that access a capital gap. And so what we're thinking about is how do we find ways that we can support more access to capital for people of color when they're trying to start a business? You've also got this community anchor partnership, which, as I understand it, is basically getting uh big institutional presences in Washington to, like the city government, do things on the contracting side to say, we're going to diversify our vendors. We're going to make sure that we, you know, if I'm a hospital, I contract with a black business that will supply sheets. I'm just throwing out a hypothetical. But, you know, that looks good. They'll be able to be at a a, uh, press conference saying, look at us, we did this this good thing. Is is that a thing that that you think is actually going to seriously move the needle here? No, absolutely. So uh, with that program, what actually happens is uh, uh, their businesses go and they work with uh, CNHED, which is one of our uh, partners, a coalition of nonprofits for housing and economic development. Uh, And what they do is they actually get businesses ready to go after uh, bigger uh, contracts or bigger work uh, with some of their anchor institutions. So the example you used actually isn't too far off from a real life example. Uh, Children's was looking for uh, a company uh, to help it with its transportation, moving either to their work, to the metro station, uh, if you think about where Children's National Hospital is. And they went to uh, CNHED and the anchor program. And what they said was, how do we find a a local uh, business to be part of uh, the work that we do? And so with the program, we actually bid out the work to the cohorts uh, that have already gone through and sort of been pre-vetted uh, to work with these large anchor institutions. Uh, and so we have a DC company that now provides those transportation services to Children's National because they were pre-vetted and they had an opportunity to go after the work before it was put out on the open market. That's a way that we can actually create opportunity for DC residents and DC companies. And that company has to be in the District of Columbia. The, 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 the... Um, meaning, what does that mean? Does that mean that their office is here or, or do they themselves have to be residents here? Uh, that they operate their office here. Uh, not restricted to DC residents, uh, but that their office is here. So along those same lines, I know that one of the other goals that y'all have is increasing DC's general economic prosperity, specifically targeting lifting the median household income of black residents by $25,000. Uh, what steps does the city actually have to make that a possibility? Yeah, so this actually goes hand in hand with one of the other goals, uh, which is to create uh, 35,000 new jobs in high growth sectors. And what we want to do is actually create those training opportunities uh, to actually connect people uh, with those jobs. So we have a program right now that will uh, pay for uh, people to go to Catholic University, Trinity University uh, or UDC and also pay them a stipend uh, to actually go learn a new skill in the health profession. Uh, The health profession is uh, one where we see uh, real growth opportunities uh, when it comes to new jobs. And so what we want to do is make sure that D.C. residents can actually 
compete for those jobs. And the way to do it is a lot of uh, reskilling, retraining of people. We were joined uh, when we launched this plan with Mayor Bowser uh, by a young man, Jeremiah, who actually uh, decided to take a leap of faith and uh, become a tech apprentice uh, so that he could upskill himself. Uh, and what he's able to do is uh, take part in uh, the Golden Triangle Bids uh, Penn West uh, Innovation District. Uh, and really what we want to do in that innovation district is we found that there were tech companies in D.C. Uh, that had job openings that were languishing and couldn't be filled. So what we want to do is get Jeremiah skilled up that he could take advantage of those job opportunities. That's the way we get to that goal that you raised, Bridget, of increasing uh, black uh, median uh, household income. Uh, in a lot of ways, too, we know that there's a huge wealth gap in the District of Columbia. White residents uh, have an 84 to 1 ratio in terms of their wealth uh, over black households. The way that we start closing that gap is by increasing household income for black residents. All right. So last question here. Be real with us. You've got till 2028 uh, on some of these announced goals. Um, uh, what are you feeling confident about? What are you feeling not so confident about? Well, I'm confident about all of them because really what the idea is, is that you put in place goals uh, and then you put the people, policy and processes and the funding to actually reach those goals. So I mentioned that the mayor put out that goal in 2019 to create 36,000 uh, new homes uh, by 2025 and 12,000 of which would be affordable. And now we track it. We tell people every month where we are on those goals. Uh, so when she announced that in October 2019, we put out a report about how we would uh, reach uh, that goal. And so for us, it's really about measuring uh, where we are. Uh, and so we have uh, a team that's working on how do we actually measure uh, our progress on these goals. And then we want to be honest with people about where we are. So on that housing goal, uh, we know that we're coming up short in some of the planning areas when it comes to the affordable housing goal. So we got to figure out new processes, new ideas, new innovations uh, to get to that housing goal. So for us, setting big goals is important. And Mayor Bowser always wants us to be bold uh, in those goals. Uh, and then we have to figure out those people processes uh, and policies, as well as funding, uh, to get to them. And so that's what I'm excited to work on uh, with our residents, with the business community, and other stakeholders as well. John Felchikio, you're the Demped. And you're the chief of staff for the mayor. Thank you very much for being here. Well, thanks so much for the time, guys. I appreciate the conversation. And before you go, some quick news. Metro won its appeal to run more 7,000 series trains after the Regulatory Safety Commission agreed to less frequent wheel inspections. This should shorten wait times for all of us. But the Metro Commission showdown is not over yet. Metro needs to prove today that its operators have fully completed their safety trainings. The commission had tried to pull 50 engineers saying that they had skimped on the lessons. Meanwhile, a state delegate from Arlington and East Fairfax County has introduced a Virginia bill that would bolster local journalism. The bill creates a tax credit for eligible local newspaper publishers for salaries paid to local journalists, but at most the credit would be $5,000. And lastly, something to celebrate. Our recent report showed that little old D.C. has more green space building square footage per capita than any state and 10 times more than its closest competitor. Now, this is partially because of the federal government's presence, but also the commitment to green building at the local level. That's all for today here on CityCast D.C. If you enjoyed the show, why not share it with your favorite D.C. office worker? You can also rate and review the show and check out our newsletter, Hey DC. 
We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Catch you then.